1: You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Welcome into another 3Mod Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury, Derek Young, current... Guy killing it for K State online at on three and uh, boys, we heard your feedback. We heard everybody's feedback. We were, we were a little negative last time, and by that I mean definitely we, not just me. That was a we. We're all in this together. So today I'm starting a little positive. Uh, some positivity that I'm bringing. If you can see here, this is my 1997 Fiesta Bowl champions uh, crew neck sweater that I'm wearing here today. So you know that's how I'm feeling about this team, right? Like. New Year's Six or Bust, Big 12 Championship and Bust, or Bust, you know? Uh, that was an 11-win season. I don't know if it's possible to get there for K-State. But, hey, uh, positive vibes, positive vibes, okay? So just want to set the tone with that. If you guys can just
2: follow suit and come on board with me, we'll be all
1: right.
3: That's when it was still the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. How about that?
2: Right. That was, one of, that was maybe my favorite bowl game. Uh, so. Oh, it's got to be the – I mean, it's the best K-State bowl game in history. I don't know that there's – a.
1: I mean, track? I was at.
2: No, I mean, no, not probably not. I was at the uh, the 2000 Cotton Bowl against Tennessee, which was fun, but it yeah, didn't, was fun. It, it didn't feel the same as that the
1: 2017
3: adjustable. Cactus Bowl. <laughs> well, Cole,
1: Cole, we need we need to address something with you off the top here to to ensure and in, in full interest of not only transparency but positivity for everybody. I just need you. You came down pretty hard on TCU fans, okay? They came back and made some very good counterpoints as toward the behavior at the game on Saturday. One being, we talked and we heard D.Y. tweeting about this before the game. The wind was crazy, and your talk of all this beer flying around everywhere, TCU fan points out in the comments. How do we know that the wind wasn't just blowing the beer around, Cole? So I would just, you know, I want us to be fully accurate. I want us to not be spreading fake news. So I would like you to address... The possibility that it was actually the 25 mile per hour wind gusts that were blowing aluminum beer bottles out of people's hands and with enough force that it was making it down onto the field by Chris Kleiman and then in the end zone where the game had to be stopped. I I would like you to address that, please.
2: I certainly didn't account for that. So I do apologize, even though the the student section goes East West and the wind was North South and it was magically blowing the beer bottles, full aluminum bottles of beer. It was like a tornado guys in there that was swirling. That was somehow lifting the beer bottles up and throwing them out on the field repeatedly. And then also backwards into the fans of Kansas state fans. So yeah, they, they make some, some very good points. I mean, I had a lot of TCU fans in my mentions saying they only saw like one or two beer bottles thrown. So Whatever, guys, believe what you uh, want. I probably came down a little bit hard on TCU overall as a fan base. Uh, I think I, I've never had any issues with TCU. So go, well, I don't um. know. I saw,
1: I saw my guy, uh, Parker, Stats of War on Twitter, kind of talking down saying, saying TCU Twitter needed a bit of a come to Jesus moment. And I believe his words were, if you're about to do something and think to yourself, would a tech fan do this, then don't do that thing. Uh, so I think they may be riding a little bit high these days. So, I hope I, I, that your, I trust that your lock of the week is going to be West Virginia when we get to it later on.
2: Well, then we got DY sending that Tony Mathis is out for West Virginia. Is Donaldson going to play at running back? I mean, it just seems like TCU's got all the luck in the world. It, it's almost a virtual lock. JT Daniels goes out in this game, right, guys? I mean, yeah. he's already is, injury who's, prone. Who's
1: West Virginia's backup quarterback? We better give. I mean, that's they're just going to march on. It was like I saw someone use that meme where it's like the Grim Reaper going from door to door. And it was just like, you know, Dylan Gabriel, Jalen Daniels, Adrian Martinez, Will Howard. Next up, JT Daniels, semi charm kind of life that uh, the TCU is living this year. But uh, I digress. All right. We have that all out of our system. Can we can we offer, you know, let, let me say this to all of our TCU fan, faithful listeners that are always listening to uh, the Three Mile Pod. We're happy to have you, have you back uh, once again this week. Make sure that you go check out some 360 Vodka or some Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon from Holiday Distillery because that that may help you. You know, you guys seem very enthusiastic, very,
3: don't throw it. it.
1: Well, yeah, don't throw it. Yes. Don't please, please don't throw it. You know, maybe keep it in the parking lot or something uh, where you could safely dispose of it instead of throwing it down onto the field. But if you guys are going to be out over your skis, a little big for your britches this year, now that you finally decided to put together a competitive football team for the first time in half a decade, uh, you can do so with 360 vodka and Ben holiday bottled in bond bourbon and uh, and that'll be great. So just their their holiday distillery is awesome. They support K State. That's the color purple. You guys are purple too, and you seem to really support K State last weekend. Uh, so I'm sure you guys can get behind that. And if nothing else, you're college students, right? So you'll you'll drink it anyway, throw it, or do whatever the hell it is you're gonna do with it. So
2: John, 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 they can't handle their own alcohol. They can't handle beer. Like you want them to drink hard liquor? I mean, they they can't handle alcohol no. down there. I mean, I. Uh, we don't need them throwing full bottles of, of bourbon or uh, or vodka down on the field. Uh, so I, my favorite thing is they lead off the game before the kick with prayer as well down there. So they <laughs> had every very, fan and <laughs> very very Christian university.
1: Yes, Christian, just as Jesus did. You know when <laughs> Jesus said, "Let me throw beer bottles down onto the field." Uh, you know I think that was right after the water and wine thing. It was it was mixed in there somewhere. So TCU's got that right. Um, You guys are just killing it in Fort Worth. Best of luck this weekend, by the way, against West Virginia. We will be pulling for you. Uh, Okay. We have that all out of our system. You think we're okay to move on at this point? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Here's headline number one. We were able to uh, disguise ourselves from the impending doom of the uh, K-State injury report by attacking TCU and, you know, taking our emotions out on TCU, like really healthy, upstanding individuals. Although I will say, I mean, the injury report, by the time I was done, you know, texting with these two last night, I guess I was feeling a little better about it. Uh, Will Howard, D.Y., just stop me if any of these are, are incorrect, okay? Will Howard, good to go. Adrian, probably not. Somewhat possible, maybe.
3: Questionable. Daniel
1: Green, doubtful. Julius Brents, probable.
3: Questionable, probable. I get back and forth on that one.
1: Okay, uh, Ben Sinnott playing, playing. Okay, love that. Uh, Josh Hayes probable playing, playing. Okay, there we go. Okay, well, there's there's some you know that's some relatively good news. Um, that's obviously the biggest headline of the week. How how do you feel now compared to uh, the immediate aftermath of the game about K State's health?
3: Better um, because I was not. All that confident on Julius Brents, the way that it looked during the game, to know that he has a shot to play, I think is a little reassuring. Not that he will play, but a shot to play. I think that's reassuring. I think in the immediate aftermath of the game, for being honest, we weren't sure either Adrian Martinez or Will Howard would be available this week to know that Will Howard can play. Um, I think that's reassuring. To know that Ben Sennett won't, won't be out, I think that's reassuring. So. While not ideal because I don't think they're going to have Daniel Green, it's probably better than the gloom and doom that we were thinking was possible in the immediate aftermath.
2: And Mike Gundy says Adrian's playing, so Kansas State's <laughs> actually got every quarterback available. Yeah. Well, okay, what do you what do you do if Adrian's like
1: playable but not really runnable? And I guess I don't. Will might be sort of the same way with the shoulder issue, not all that runnable, but somewhat playable. I mean, at that point, are you saying we trust Will Howard throwing the ball down the field more?
3: I understand that angle, but if Adrian says he can go, I'm probably going to go with Adrian.
1: And just totally eliminate quarterback run, or are you going
3: know? to? Know, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, uh, I get that. What what made Adrian tick this year was the quarterback run game, but he was also. Look, Will Howard really looked good throwing the ball as soon as he went into that game. Maybe, you know, at a level we hadn't seen from Adrian, but Adrian was getting close to that level too. We were, K-State was improving through the year. I mean, look back at that Iowa State game. Yes, they only scored 10 points, should have scored 20. But They threw the ball pretty well in that game and had other opportunities to exploit it. And it probably doesn't look as good because Malik Knowles fumbled at the one-yard line. So, while I I agree that Will Howard really looked impressive throwing the ball in Fort Worth. I think that the offense in general, the passing game in general, was kind of headed in that direction.
1: Does this turn well, into now like like Skyler at the end of last year, where it was you know all of a sudden he had this way better pocket presence, was just hanging in there at all costs, not trying to move around. Like, is it? I guess the question would be, is it that significant for Adrian Martinez, where he's not even going to want to try to scramble around much?
3: I mean, but I don't think any of us can really know how it's going to look, even if he is able to play. But uh, like I said, I, I think he was coming along pretty well in the passing game too. Okay. I don't know, a Cole, Cole, I think I had something to say there.
2: Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just conflicted with it because if you could tell me that an extra week's rest could get him to where he could play closer to his normal self and, you know, you can see what Will Howard did last week and he could replicate that and come somewhat close to that, then I go with Will Howard, but I don't know if a week's rest will get Adrian to that point just because they came off the bye week and it didn't seem to help him, right? He got dinged up in that Iowa State game and was still physically ailed, it, it seems, against uh, TCU. So I don't know if an extra week's rest is going to help, if he's going to have to be kind of a pocket quarterback the rest of the year, kind of like Skyler was. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I would lean toward Will Howard if Adrian can't can't really move, Um so I think that would be my preference for this game. And then hopefully Adrian can give it a go against Texas and be more like his normal self. I don't know what I you think, John.
3: I can understand that. But like I said, I do think Adrian Martinez was improving through the air. It was going to be close to a point where what we saw from Will Howard last week against TCU, it's a guy that almost has 10,000 career passing yards before he came to Kansas State. So he could throw the ball. Um, so I, I still would lean towards Adrian if he says – he can go but it's probably close
2: my, my fear dy is oklahoma state just pins their ears back and goes after him uh with blitz blitz after blitz and he's not able to elude it the offensive line's not able to hold up and that's that's my concern not that will howard's the fastest guy in the world but at least he can move enough to escape a little bit of pressure and oklahoma state leads the big 12 in tackles for loss now their sack rate's extremely low which is surprising but I would not be surprised if they bring the heat at him. And I just, I worry
3: about. Well, we're probably the going to do that with, with either quarterback, although I think their front seven's pretty roughed up at this point too, to where I don't know if they feel healthy enough to be able to deploy that kind of plan. It'll be interesting because they're a big football team too. It's why Kansas State, as we're talking right now, I think is a two-point favorite. I think the line went their way even more as of this morning than when we're recording this uh, on Wednesday. So that's an interesting angle. What I will say and and people will probably think that I am, you know, kind of being sunshine pumper here. I think Kansas State can beat Oklahoma State at home. I think that's a critical part in this with either court. I,
1: I would tend to agree. I would tend to agree, depending on what kind of Adrian we get. I I, I doubt that we're gonna see Adrian anyway. So I don't I don't know that it's gonna really I be agree. i the pertinent agree. of a of a discussion. I mean, I, I will say this a couple of things that stood out to me from Kleiman's press conference. Um, He did say none of these are season ending injuries, which is good because, you know, I thought in the case of like Daniel Green, perhaps that might be on the table, but that's that's good to hear. Um, The other thing that was nice is just Kleiman didn't let it be an excuse at all. You know, I mean, it was he very much was like that's reiterated kind of what he said after the game. Like, that's why they give you 85 scholarship players. We've got to be next man up and keep trying to win games. And I, I at least appreciate that because you guys know where where I was certainly mentally after after that game, which was you know kind of in a pit of despair and like not even mad at anybody in particular, just like mad at the situation, frustrated at the situation. He seemed pretty jovial, like in a in a good mood, and was not using any of that as an excuse uh, at the press conference.
3: They didn't after the game either, players included. Um, to be honest, I think they felt like injuries t- was not even in the top ten of reasons why they lost that game and it felt genuine that they, they truly felt that way because like I, we've kind of went over it before there was a third and 17 where it was just a screenplay. You make a simple tackle and, and that's not going to be converted for a first down. If you just do what you're already capable of doing. And, and that's a big play in the game. If they stopped that, they also said they they should have had a touchdown if someone didn't run a wrong route at one point in the game. Um, there was a, the long, was it a punt return? The long return by Philip Brooks or a mm-hmm. kick return? They said uh, there was a mistake there or should have been a touchdown. So they just felt like they were leaving stuff all over the field uh, on that given night. Um, probably shouldn't have had Julius Brents in the game at one point, they said, because literally his injury created a touchdown for TCU. That was another play. So
2: And KSU underscore fan actually had mentioned to us before the Climb and press conference yesterday that there were a couple – ID issues in the blocking game by the offensive line that could have led to a couple of big plays where they they missed a guy or missed an assignment or picked up the wrong guy. And then Chris Kleiman mentioned that actually in response to a question you had asked D Y about position group, I think that maybe needs to get better. Um, And Chris Kleiman mentioned that one of the, uh, the missed blocking assignments would have been a touchdown if not for that occurring. And the other would have been another explosive play. Uh, So I think they felt like K-State, Beat themselves, made a lot of mistakes, and and I certainly appreciate that. Case uh, they didn't use injuries as an excuse; they weren't sulking like I was uh, leaving the stadium. I mean, that was the thing that all of us in our group were sulking about: is just where does the season go from here with all the injuries? Uh, none of us were really mad at the the coaches or players much. You know, you, what can you do when you lose all of these marquee guys? But uh, yeah, credit to them for for saying that. One thing I did want to mention on Adrian, guys, and and this is why I'm with you. I think he probably doesn't play this weekend is we know how tough Adrian is. He played through a broken jaw for five, six games last year. He played through an entire half against Wisconsin with a torn labrum on his throwing shoulder um, and still threw the ball for nearly 200 yards with that labrum issue. And he stayed in the game for both of those injuries. And the fact that he was so quick to pull himself from the game against TCU just makes me worry that this, not, we know it's not season ending, but that it, it's something that really, really bothers him because he's tough as nails.
1: That is definitely true. Definitely true. Uh, I would say though, the one frustration I I have with the coaches again after the game is like be more aggressive up twenty eight to ten on that drive. But I trust I trust that dy at uh, Colin Klein's press conference on Thursday. Going to ask a hard hitting gotcha question about the uh, the twenty. 20- yeah, the- I mean, I,
3: here's here's the thing with those. That's almost like a philosophical thing. I'd like, I, don't, I don't know like you're going to go off of what the head coach wants. Hey, let's get after it here or hey let's be careful. So that's almost like a head coach thing I think.
2: When you uh, you look at that play, TCU didn't bring pressure. I think they thought in case they thought they would bring pressure and that QB draw may work. they didn't do it. The other play, TCU would have probably been questioning is when they ran a screen on third and 17, but it worked for them right from the 41. the frustrating after, thing about that screen, is K State only rushed three guys, and it they they had, call. yeah, they had all their linebackers seven eight yards back, all their defenders. That should not have worked. There's no way that should yeah. work.
3: Chris, uh, Chris Coach Kleiman even brought it up at uh, the Tuesday press conference. that uh, Coach Kleinman was like shaking his head, like kind of putting them on himself, and that and Coach Klein's like, "You rush three against the screen. It's the perfect call."
2: That that screen that screen by TCU was a bad play call. And they got fortunate that Kendra Miller and K-State missed five tackles because K-State had so many guys around the ball. That thing should have maybe gotten two or three yards, and they're in a fourth and fifteen from the 39 in no man's land, uh at that point. But unfortunately, K-State did not make tackles. Yeah, and, and that uh, three
3: and out that Kurtz is referring to that frustrated him, and I understand his frustration. It, it, look, as as could, you know, as 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 mad as it made you, you can defend it. I'm sorry, you almost can. The first first down when they threw that bubble, I think that was a check because of what the defense showed. Um It probably should have went farther. Uh And then the third down is the one I would like back. I agree, and just throw it there too because of the way Will Howard's going. But it was what third and eight, third and nine, I think. And you probably had Chris climbing on the headset because of where they were and how they were moving the ball in that game said, probably said you have two plays to get these eight or nine, I would think. And a quarterback draw there, you think you're probably getting five or six. And I'll be honest on the prior two drives, they had similar sequences work to success.
2: Well, in that, in that third quarter to D Y on the play, Will Howard got hurt. It was a third and seven, right. They ran it and it should have went for 15, 20 yards, but K State missed a block. Otherwise, that thing is perfectly set up to go for a first down. K State ended up fourth and two. Jake Rubley was going to be the quarterback, so they had to kick a field goal into the wind. They miss. You know that's that's another situation where okay, it didn't work. Why are you running it on third and seven? Well, it should have worked. You know if K State picks things up. K State made a lot of mistakes, uh, even though they were up big in that game, and they they kind of did beat themselves.
1: Yeah. Well, it's all fair. The the point about four down territory I hadn't totally considered and that's uh fair enough I that that would be an understandable enough explanation to me um it's still it's still not my favorite I still would have just let Will Howard rip um but that's it that's an ex, a decent explanation for sure uh turning the attention to Oklahoma State headline number two this starts a stretch of opponents where Chris Kleiman has been over not been very good uh in his career against these teams including Oklahoma State which has been a real thorn in K-State's side. The two games that have been played in Stillwater, uh, the score is closer than the game actually was. You know, they were handled pretty well in both of those games. I believe it was 31-20 to and 26-13, to but it, it felt like they were much further away in both of those games, particularly the offense. They did not have much offense. Um, with Will Howard starting and then Jaron Lewis playing in the game last year some uh, in Stillwater, on the other hand, the game in Manhattan, K-State probably should have won. But, of course, it was it was the Will Howard fumble that got run back that uh, is the key play there as K-State was driving in to take the lead late during the COVID season. So, you know, this is I, – I, I get myself into an optimistic place, and then you kind of remember that and be like, oh, this is going into Oklahoma State, Texas, and Baylor. That's not been a good stretch for this team or this coaching staff. Things can change. K-State has a much better team uh, if they're relatively healthy this year than they have in the last few years, but there is, there is a leeriness to me about that. Plus just the fact that, I mean, Oklahoma state knows how to win. Like I, I watched the entire game from start to finish Oklahoma state, Texas. And there, there were not many points where I felt like they are going to or should win that game. And they found a way to pull it out. And I realize it's Texas. It's kind of what they do, but this Oklahoma state team is veteran enough and, and they've got enough kind of championship DNA in that program that they, they find ways to win, really close games like this, even on the road. So I, that gives me a lot of pause uh, heading into it.
3: My argument against that would be the week prior. They lost a similar lead to TCU and Fort Worth on the road uh, with their starting quarterback <laughs> when they were up 24 to seven. So um, that, that makes me think that they're pretty beatable. I think that also kind of justifies the line and by the Bucks, the gambling books to be what it is as well. Um, they're banked up. Uh, I worry a little bit about matchups here because there's a reason why Chris Kleiman, there's three teams that he still hasn't defeated. So I I don't think that's ideal, although he probably should have beat Texas last year, should have beat Oklahoma state in 2020. So it comes down to just making a play at the end. Oklahoma state certainly can do that. I think Kansas state certainly can do that. Um, But I will say, I think Oklahoma state's a solid team. I'm not sure that they're like an overwhelmingly good team because um, it means something to me that they lost a similar road to TCU in a similar situation and did so with their starting quarterback and before they were really banged up. That was, for the most part, still a somewhat healthy football team that fell victim to what Kansas State fell victim to last weekend. Um, And like I said, Kansas State should have beat Oklahoma State in 2020 with Will Howard. Um, Another thing that creeps into my mind a little bit is Mike Gundy is probably the coach in the Big 12 that knows Will Howard the most. Um, this is the third time, assuming Will Howard's the quarterback, the third time Will Howard will have started against the Cowboys in his career. Um, Oklahoma State hasn't played Kent State starting quarterback. If it turns out the way we think it will for Saturday, this will be the third year in a row that Oklahoma State gets to play Kent State with their backup quarterback.
2: Yeah, I was going to mention that. Um, yeah, Oklahoma State's a team that's kind of hard to figure out, just because John and I watched them play Texas Tech a couple weeks ago uh, and. They were down 31-23. Texas Tech had the ball. Oklahoma State was live underdogs in that game uh, in the second half, and and they were able to fight back. And and really, Barrett Morton, uh, the, I think that's his name, right? Uh, Bar- Barron Morton. Barron Morton, Texas Tech quarterback. He got banged up and really couldn't move. Otherwise, I'm not sure Texas Tech loses that game in Stillwater. Then, you know, they really had – you know, I, I didn't get to watch the whole game against Texas, but just – continually checking back it felt like texas kind of had control and grasp with that game but then it just you know kind of faded away near the end and to john's point yeah they that's you know got a lot of respect for oklahoma state's program and mike gundy they've been that consistent team that's been successful in this league and is often overlooked a little bit i overlooked them a little bit coming into this year because of what they lost on the defensive side of the football and uh, jim knowles going to ohio state to be the defensive coordinator but they're here again, uh, near the top of the big 12. And so they they definitely have talent. I don't know if they're top 10 worthy. Um, but it's, it's going to be a test. The DY's point K-State could have beat them in 2020, should have beat them in 2020, really some, some fluke deals with a couple of turnovers there that K-State ended up losing that game. But, uh, yeah, Oklahoma state's had some good fortune of, of playing K-State's backup quarterbacks, but to your point overall, John, on this, this three game stretch, I mean, Kleiman is 0-9 against these three teams and has to find a way. If K-State's gonna get to Arlington, this next three game stretch, they they gotta find a way probably to get two and one. And that that's kind of daunting to look at. because uh, I still think Baylor, you know I know the way they looked against KU down the stretch. They they're up and down in games. They they come out and dominate and then they they blow it. Um, uh, but I still think Baylor, that game at Baylor is gonna be very difficult on the road. Uh, with the physicality that the Bears play with, so you got to find a way to go two and one, and that really starts with Oklahoma State. If you get Texas too, then then you're kind of playing with house money going to Baylor. But uh, I don't want to be in a situation where you're you're facing a must win at Baylor. Uh, well, Texas is the game I feel worst about.
1: Yeah, I going yeah.
3: to different. I think the tough tougher game is the home against Texas.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the, very imperative that <laughs> Case State gets this win today. Yeah. And you know, storyline number three. Our headline number three, uh, D.Y. mentioned the Vegas line. It's gone from, you know, Oklahoma State minus two to K-State minus one or minus two, depending on where you're looking in a lot of places. And I'd imagine a big part of that is that Oklahoma State is also very, very beat up. Uh, they were without six starters for the the game against uh, Texas. Jaden Bray, Braden Johnson, a receiver, Preston Wilson, an offensive lineman, Thomas Harper, a D-back, Brock Martin, a defensive end, uh, Brendan Evers, a defensive tackle. And then Jason Taylor, might be out for this game who was the big 12 interception leader second leading tackler for the cowboys at the end of the game he had that interception on the sideline where he landed very awkwardly i mean it didn't look great you know with with how his knee kind of got pinned under him when he makes that pick so i will see that could be another really key injury for the cowboys and then on top of that you know spencer sanders has been playing beat up since since the tcu game so um he's he's been battling shoulder issues and at times kind of looks like that you know what i mean like he's gone through some phases during games where he looks a little bit sluggish, but then we'll we'll find ways to turn it on when he needs to.
3: I think it's threefold. I think one, I think even though we can get down for, on a week to week basis, erupt on a week to week basis depending on how the last game went. Um, if you remove all your biases, whether it be positive or negative, every team in this league is about the same. There, there's a lot of teams that there's really not big gaps between, and when, when these two teams are healthy, I don't think there's a big gap between Kansas state and Oklahoma state when they're, and they're both banged up. So I just don't know if, you know, the bookmakers really think that there's a big gap between these two teams headed into this game. And then you, that's the second part, Oklahoma state's just as banked up as K state. I think that's another justification of the line. The third one. So Oklahoma state's only been on the road twice this year. And like I said, One of those, they give up a 17-point lead at TCU. So um, they're one-on-one on the road. They won at Baylor when I think Baylor was pretty much hadn't woken up yet and, and was still a work in progress as well. But it was an impressive win nonetheless for Oklahoma State. So this is only their third time going on the road this year. And you think about that, I mean, Kansas State was on the road three out of the last four weeks. So these schedules have been much different too.
2: The reality is K-State's still got everything that they want to play in front of them. You know, their aspirations of Big 12 championship are still in play, and this is still a big game. I mean, K-State's still a top 25 team. Oklahoma State's a top 10 team. And the reality is K-State fans and us will be feeling a lot better if K-State wins this game. All of the hype that went into the TCU game, it'll be right back there. K-State would be in the top two in the Big 12 after this game. If they were able to win it, they'd probably be right around 16 or 17 in the polls again. And you'd be going into a Texas game with a lot of buildup then. So it's a gigantic game. K-State fans need to bring the energy, um, bring it, make it a raucous atmosphere. Because uh, I know things, you feel a little bit down right now after that TCU game. And I, I've been victim of that as well. But as we get on with the week and get closer to Saturday, starting to get that energy a little bit. And, you know, if K-State just, to me, one of the most important things, K-State gets off to a good start. Um, you don't want to put Will Howard in a situation if he's the quarterback where they're they're down ten nothing two scores early. The fans get taken out of the game. K State needs to get off to a, a good start and uh, hopefully they can hold on then and and capitalize and build on that momentum. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a gigantic game and the fact that K State is favored Vegas accounts for injuries. They they know what's going on when they put out these lines and the metrics show that this game is essentially. A pick'em uh close to that. They they view that both these teams are somewhat even on the football field. In fact, I looked at Brian Fremau's FEI ratings and he had Oklahoma State as a number 13 team and K-State as number 18. So you look at all the metrics. I mean, there, there's not a big gap between these two teams. They both are banged up. Now I think Oklahoma State, you could argue, maybe has a little bit more quality depth behind them um, at some of the positions especially at receiver. As I look at their receiver room, they, they have guys that they're trotting out that are still big time weapons, even with one of their leaders out in that room. So, uh, but, but yeah, to that point, I mean, I think this is a game that is, is anyone's to win. And I, I certainly think K-State being at home, they, they can do this. Yeah. I think Oklahoma state feels like to me, like K-State's recruiting is on an uptick here
1: and it feels like the depth is going to get better or getting better in the process of that within the program. Oklahoma state just feels like a, finished product of what you would hope that looks like if the recruiting can continue to go the way that it's been going. So I think, yeah, Oklahoma state is just a step or two ahead as far as their depth goes, but we'll, we'll see. Another thing I would mention too, even if they fall behind, maybe that's the nudge they need to throw the ball downfield. I mean, I realize like some of it was will just being willing to cut it loose and throw it downfield, but I, I don't know. It feels to me like sometimes the the coaching staff needs a bit of a nudge one way or the other for that to happen. Uh, Like this, this past week, maybe it was going to be Adrian's knee that would have allowed that to happen. So I, it might not be the, the worst thing in the world, even if you do fall behind early. Just just pointing that out. Just give, give Will the reins, let him go cut it loose. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, we did see K-State get one player back healthy on Saturday. I have not heard anything about uh, any re-aggravation of an injury. Maybe D.Y. can correct me, but it was also available at uh, the press conference on Tuesday to talk to D.Y., and that's Nate Matlack. Uh, so imagine, D.Y., that he's uh, he's feeling a little bit better ahead of your,
3: yeah. your DY yeah. Sunday conversation of the week? Yeah. He's uh, said he's the healthiest he's been so far this season. So
1: Okay. That's great. Well, here is Nate Matlack, K-State defensive end.
3: The 3 mall conversation of the week. I'm Derek Young, joined this week by defensive end Nate Matlack. Uh, we spoke to you not long ago, actually, just probably about five minutes ago. You said this is the best you felt from a health standpoint so far this season.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel 100%. Um, past couple of weeks has been tough just because, I mean, I've, I've had a big brace on my ankle and have been all taped up, and I finally, after the bye week, felt a little more healthy and could actually feel like myself again fast and be able to play fast.
3: Now, do you still have to play with a brace or with tape as a precautionary measure, or do you kind of shed those things at this point?
4: I've shed the brace by now, but I still have to do some spatting and tape for sure, um, just to prevent anything else to happen to it, so...
3: We spoke to head coach Chris Kleiman on Tuesday afternoon as well, and he mentioned how much of a grind it is for a player that's hurt, um, how it becomes a long day, mm-hmm. a long week, just how much it sucks. So it, because it's, it's not like you just can get out of practice and you feel like you don't have a lot to do. There's mm-hmm. actually more you have to go through yeah. if you're injured. Can you kind of take us through that and how, uh, how that's probably the worst thing Thing for a player uh, mm. not just because you didn't practice but other things
4: yeah um, I mean it just adds more time into your day you have a lot of treatment to do especially after hurt against Tulane trying to get back for Oklahoma as much as I could I was doing treatment three times a day one time in the morning afternoon and before practice just trying to get my ankle as healthy as I could for that game um, so it just adds a little more stress onto your day I mean I've been doing it for five weeks now, so basically now I'm, I'm definitely toned it down a little bit on how much I do throughout the day, so it's a little easier now. But being a player that's injured, it just it's definitely a little more stressful just because the more time management you have to have, just adding more stuff on your plate. So.
3: Obviously not asking you for any detailed information on your guys' injury report, which is probably a little bit lengthier Mm -hmm. than typical um, after the game against TCU. But we just hear a lot of discussions like, how does this happen? You know, it was a little bit of a weird thing, you know, so many in one game. But I try to tell people, like, you'd be surprised at how much it takes for a team to remain healthy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember you know almost every trip you guys make after every game even for the guys that aren't necessarily the injury report everyone's yeah. limping back to the bus <laughs> if they played in that game and you look across the league kind of on every team almost except i think two or three has mm-hmm. lost their quarterback at one point this season it's just a physical and brutal game where it's, it's tough to be available week to week
4: yeah it's i mean it's tough you're playing good teams every single week and um it's you sometimes don't see injuries that people actually have just because they play through them and and you can't honestly tell but um, this week we just had a little more um, injuries than normal I'd say Um, I honestly didn't recognize some of them until after the game I was like wow we actually had a lot of people hurt but um, that just goes to show how talented some of the rest of our team is and how much depth we have but um, yeah it's a physical game and it's just hard not to get injured sometimes but um, I think we'll easily bounce back from them and it's and we've been blessed, honestly, not having too many like long-term injuries. So um, I feel I feel that uh, we'll do great next week, and people will be able to bounce back from their injuries.
3: You spoke to it. Some of that this year is just you played a really good team week in and week out. Uh, this is I think your third year, right? Mm-hmm. Can you do you remember? Is this the best the Big Twelve has been
4: in your three years? Yeah, by far. I mean, last year I. I was pretty involved in the, in the game plan and stuff like that. My first year, I honestly really can't remember too much, just because it was, feels like it's so long ago. But, but yeah, by far this is the most competitive the Big 12 has ever been. I mean, every week you have to prepare like it's going to be the best team you play because that's how it is. I mean. Anyone can beat anyone. And how it. Just not like it was kind of last year where you'd have a game where you're like, oh, well, these guys aren't as good as last week. No. I mean, this week, Oklahoma State is as good as TCU. Baylor can be as good as Oklahoma State. Texas can beat anyone. KU came out of nowhere. I mean, there's just – everyone's great in this league. So you just got to be, be prepared every single week.
3: And because of that, even having one loss, you kind of still feel like you're in the thick of the race with the chance to win the Big 12 is that maybe a conversation or a discussion that you guys had to have to begin this week after, you know, the setback against TCU where you lost that 18-point lead? Do you kind of have to realign to, hey, everything that we wanted to accomplish is technically still available?
4: Yeah. Coach definitely brought that up during the team meeting yesterday. He was like, our goal is still attainable, We can still go to the Big 12 championship. And we talked about after the game, he's like, we, I, we all want to see those guys at, at the end of the season. So... Um, I think uh, it was good to bring that up and so everyone just realizes that if I mean there's the league is so crazy this year that you never know what could happen I mean you could lose two games and somehow still make it back to the Big 12 championship just because any, anyone can beat anyone but um, I felt some people felt down after the game but after you realize like, one loss really doesn't matter. I mean, we're still at the top of the Big 12, even though we lost. But, I mean, you finish out the year good, and we might see them again at the end of the year. And I think that's what we all want. So,
3: Obviously, you're a defensive player, not an offensive player. But I kind of get the vibe just, just by being around you guys and Coach Climate, of course, that even if Will Howard has to be the guy this weekend, we don't know if he is. It'll be Adrian or Will, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, you guys don't really have – a shrunken level of confidence whether it's adrian or will it feels like you you almost approach him like a second starter quarterback yeah. at this point
4: exactly yeah i mean i mean will just prepares like he's gonna play every week so i mean i had no clue will would even get a chance to play this week all of a sudden i look out there and he's out there and he's making plays every, almost every single drive so i feel confident either one of those guys will's one of my best friends off the field um so i obviously feel com- confident with him or Adrian. Either one of them are going to make plays. So I feel like we can be confident in our offense no matter what.
3: Will's actually played against Oklahoma State every year. that He's, yeah. he's been against State, which is odd. He's never been a full-time starter. Yeah. But he's he started against Oklahoma State in 20, 21. Might do it this week. Mm-hmm. And you've probably played. A- practice against them more than anyone because you guys are the same age kind of came in together what kind of makes him tick um and makes him kind of a lethal player still even if sometimes you know he went through periods of a period of time where he didn't have a lot of success Mm -hmm. and probably received a lot of criticism Mm -hmm. you can't really avoid that but now that he kind of bounced back just what makes him the, the
4: player that he is uh, he's very knowledgeable like he's a smart guy so I mean any situation he's given on the field he can probably figure it out pretty easily um, he's got a good arm ta- he's good arm talent he's big I mean he's probably weighs more than me honestly but or he probably not anymore he used to um, but I mean he's just he's a good runner he's got everything you want and a quarterback um, and just like I said the way he prepares for every game he prepares he's out here Putting in work. I think they said he was throwing on Friday before the game. He had no clue he was going to play, and just that's just what he does. He's always prepared for the game, and um, uh, that's just the, why he the player. Or why he is the player he is.
3: Speaking of, let's get kind of revert back to the game. You guys play Oklahoma State this week. Let's stick to the quarterbacks. Spencer Sanders. You guys are well aware of what he can do. He's played Kansas State several times because it seems like he's kind of been at Oklahoma State forever. Yeah. What kind of makes him go and what what challenges does he present?
4: Um, I mean, obviously, like you said, he's super uh, um, experienced, I'd say. Um, he's really mobile. He's got a good arm. I mean, he's kind of got everything you want in a quarterback. He's, he's a really good player, um, it's, but it's nothing we can't stop. We've done it before, so – Um, I'm really excited for the challenge this week. I feel like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12, so it's always awesome to play one of those guys. Um, But, but yeah, he's just a mobile guy that has a lot of experience and can make plays.
3: Last question. Oklahoma State's kind of as beat up as you guys are, at least in certain areas. I think uh, maybe the wide receiver position as well. Sanders not 100%. Mm -hmm how do you do you prepare for for a multiple scenarios where you might see different roster players that maybe haven't seen a lot of playing time I know they lost a lot of receivers last week during the game I don't know who's available how, how does that kind of impact your as preparation
4: um I would say it doesn't impact it too much just because we know everyone on their team is talented they can all make plays so we prepare for each guy the same way we do we'll prepare for prepare for spencer sanders the same way you do for his backup i mean it's no different we're we're just going to do what we do every play and just kind of take the mentality of it it's just about us and if we just play our base downs and play fast play confident we can really be anyone so it doesn't really change who's playing who's not um just be who we are
3: All right, that's Nate Matlack with our three-mile conversation of the week.
4: We're driven
0: by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Learn more at marines.com. I
1: right, appreciate Nate Matlack uh, joining D.Y. here on the pod this week uh, to get a little bit of insight there. Very talented. He's had to battle through a lot of injury trouble so far this year, but uh, came up with a sack in the game against TCU. Uh, definitely made a big play, made his presence felt. we talked about Oklahoma State, decent amount already, but much more the kind of injury situation, more global, like what the program is. When it comes to the nuts and bolts, the numbers, you know, Cole Manbeck has uh, dug through all that, parsed through it all, so... Tell me, this Oklahoma State offense, I, I'll i be honest, it's been a little bit hard for me to figure out. Like I've watched a lot of Oklahoma State this year, and sometimes they just look kind of stuck in the mud, like there's not much going on. A good chunk of the Texas game, they really looked and felt like that. But then they'll have moments where they, sun kind of peeks out, and all of a sudden they look pretty good for a handful of drives. Um, some of that is them going as Spencer Sanders goes, who can be inconsistent, especially when injured. But I, what are your impressions of the Oklahoma State offense?
2: Well, it's, it's their numbers don't pop out and flash, John, when you, you look at the the stats on the season, I mean, their points per drive, they're 34th in the country, which is solid. But I think if you're a K-State fan, one of the more encouraging things, TCU is the number one rushing team in the country. And when Daniel Green went out, they were able to easily exploit that with Kendra Miller, who was one of the top running backs in the country, physical running back. Oklahoma State, 3.7 yards per carry on the year, 91st in the country. Dominique Richardson, Junior running back, um, you know, he's solid. He's got over 1,000 yards in his career, but they, they don't have a lot behind him. Spencer Sanders is their second leading rusher, and I'm not sure how much they want to run him with how banged up he is. So this is an Oklahoma State team that's struggled to run the ball, um, you know, and they are very balanced. They they run the ball on 49% of their plays, throw it 51% of the time. Uh, but passing efficiency, 71st in the country, yards per pass, 7.3 yards. That's 70 in the country um one thing that they are pretty good at they, their sack percentage 3.1 percent on sack percentage allowed that's 16th best in the country so i don't know they they rely on a lot of big plays you know you, you look at their wide receivers and they're uh, bryson green and Braden johnson each have over 400 yards receiving so far this year each one of them averages 20 yards per catch so they're big play guys they're actually 15th and 16th in the country uh, in yards per reception individually as receivers, so they have three different receivers that have over 400 yards on the season, and they're big play guys. Brennan Presley is kind of the the slot guy, 5'8", junior with over 1,100 yards receiving in his career that only averages 11 and a half yards per catch. He's kind of the guy they go to if they need a first down or eight nine yards. He leads the team with 36 catches, so they, they just they have a lot of different guys at the receiver position. John Paul Richardson also has over 300 yards. Stephon Johnson, 6'2 freshman, he he really got his first meaningful snaps on Saturday against Texas. He had only had 60 yards receiving going into that game. He has six catches for 90 yards against the Longhorns, which just shows, again, we talk about depth, as they didn't have one of their leaders in the receiver room who was out for that Texas game. They still had another guy that could step in and play that was explosive in the passing game. So, like, ultimately – To me, this is gonna come down to, can K-State force Spencer Sanders into a couple of mistakes or turnovers? Spencer Sanders, 65 touchdowns in his career, throwing the football to 35 interceptions. It's a lot of interceptions, uh, nearly 9,000 yards passing, 1,900 yards in his career, rushing, uh, had a great game against K-State last year, 32 of, or 22 of 34 for 344, two touchdowns and no interceptions, but he has been mistake prone in his career. And he hasn't really had that game this year where he's thrown multiple picks. And I think, you know, we talked about on the last pod, K-State hasn't forced any turnovers in road games so far this year, but they've forced 11 turnovers at home. This is an opportunity I think where K-State can maybe force Spencer Sanders into a couple mistakes. Defensively,
1: uh, Cowboys lost a ton from last year. They have a new defensive coordinator and Derek Mason, former head coach of Vanderbilt Commodores, uh, who seemingly has done done a solid job. Um, I saw he had, to to me he had one of the quotes of the season where he said, uh, after the Texas win, I look out in the parking lot and I don't see I don't see a bunch of Lamborghinis. I see a bunch of Ford F 150s <laughs> and and insinuating that's why they beat Texas. Obviously, the Lambo sponsorship that. Uh, Bijan robinson has i enjoyed that but what do you what do you see from their defense overall this year and how they've replaced all the talent that they
2: lost well i'm still haunted john by uh, Derek mason celebrating in front of me at vanderbilt down on the field yeah Uh, i wasn't going to bring that up but yeah yeah yeah. well sorry i shouldn't have shifted that to, to negative town but that's what i think of when i see Derek mason uh you know he's a quality defensive mind brought over from auburn and and, D.Y., please feel free to jump in if you've got success rate metrics as well on anything that I say that uh, you, you want to jump in. I know you had some great success stuff on on TCU, but, you know, you look at their defensive numbers, and I, as, as I was going through this, I'm, I'm wondering oh, where do they actually stand out? I couldn't find anything uh, until the very end when I found what they really do well uh, because a lot of the talk leading up to the season was, you know, Oklahoma State may have the best pass rush in the Big 12, and then when I look at their sack percentage – it's 4.7%. That's 96th in the country, which caught me off guard because you think about all the guys they got. Colin Oliver, first team, all big 12 defensive end, had 11 and a half sacks last year as a freshman. Brock Martin had nine sacks last year. Now he missed the Texas game, 6'3", 245 pound edge player. Uh, we'll see if he's back for K-State, but there in itself is you know over 20 sacks from last year that Oklahoma State has back. And then Tyler Lacey, a 6'4", 285 pound defensive end that um, actually leads the team this year with eight and a half tackles for loss. So uh, that defensive front has not gotten after the quarterback at near the level they typically do. But then as I look through it, tackles for loss per game, 8.6, seventh best in the country and leads to big 12. Uh, and then third down conversion percentage. And guys, this is, this is really an area that could be the story of this game. Third down conversion percentage on defense. Oklahoma State's holding teams to 26%. It's fourth best. <laughs> fourth best in the country, leads the Big 12. K-State, third down per conversion percentage on offense, 31%, 114th in the country, and last in the Big 12. So you've got the the best third down defense against the worst third down offense. K-State's got to be better on third downs. They cannot get in a situation where they're in a bunch of third and six, third and sevens long, um, because this Oklahoma State team will pin their ears back then and get you off the field. Uh, so that's, that's where they really – uh, have performed well, you know, their, their rush defense, 4.2 yards per carry 71st in the country, but over the last three games, they're allowing five yards per carry. And really Texas beat themselves by not just continuing to give the ball to B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, because they couldn't stop it. Bijan Robinson averaged over five and a half yards per carry in that game. And Roshan Johnson had five carries for what nearly 80 yards. Uh, so if Texas would have kept pounding the football, they, they probably win that game. Uh, pass defense uh, yards per pass allowed seven and a half that's 75th in the country yards per play they're 90th in the country Uh, points per drive 61st at 2.13 points per drive allowed so nothing really stands out pass efficiency d sixty fourth. really it's the the tackles for loss they get you into negative situations which is what it's going to be key that k-state doesn't have those negative plays early on and downs first second down where they end up in a second and 12 or second and 13 Uh, and then third down defense, uh, which is probably why their third down conversion percentage is so good is because they get you in a lot of long situations because they get so many negative plays that they can force on you. Uh, And then from an injury standpoint, the one thing I'll say, I mentioned Brock Martin didn't play against Texas. John, you mentioned Jason Taylor, uh, first team, all big 12, preseason pick, senior safety. Uh, He was seen on crutches after the game, after that interception. Now his mom, I believe, said that he just hyperextended his knee. But it would be a bit surprising to see him play or be effective in this game, given how that injury looked. So uh, we'll see if he gives it a go. Otherwise, they're missing a couple key parts on that defensive side. You got scoops from his mom. Well, I, I just saw it on Twitter. I, I literally just typed in uh, "a okay. Jason Taylor um, Oklahoma State" on Twitter to do searches and saw. Well, Paul got
3: slid into Jason Taylor's mom's DMs. So I was like, "Hey, is he playing?" Just
1: like <laughs> my no. dog, hey, Adrian we saw the uh, we saw the picture of you know Cole like just hanging out in bed on the phone doing some stats you know just hanging out in bed upstairs sliding into Jason Taylor's mom's DMs seeing what's up with the hyper extended knee
2: is that the uh, is he the Jason Taylor the son of the former Dolphins DM I have no idea okay thought D Y might know I knew you wouldn't John so. that was good good diversion there Cole good diversion well done. Yeah. I saw it on um, Twitter. I'll send you the tweet of people saying his mom said that. All right. Okay. Maybe we just need to edit that part out then. I you know.
1: No, no, it's fine. No, I think it's great information. I'm impressed. I'm, you just you go to great lengths, you know? Instagram stock Keontae for three months and it winds up working out. So I'm not I'm not gonna tell you to stop. Thank you. Here's the first quick hitter today. How many games does Will Howard start for K-State in 2023? 2023. So consider. Is he sticking around? Does he beat Avery out for the job? Does he stay healthy? How many games do you have Will Howard starting next year? Six.
3: Hmm. Midseason
1: mm. transfer, some drama. What are we? What are we cooking up here?
3: No, just uh, the, the, I'll get the closest to the correct number if I pick right in the middle because I have no clue.
2: <laughs> I think I think is saying that Avery's going to start a lot of games then next year is what he's he's basically hinting at. So true freshman. Uh, I'm going to
3: go with uh, – I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Avery Johnson. I mean, in terms of w- what his impact will be next season, that's tricky because he probably could use a year. He's got a very slender body. Um, and just to kind of fully embrace college football, he's not necessarily one of those core cool who say, come in, I was like, he's definitely a guy that can play right away. He's not that, even if he is as talented as he is. Here's the thing. It's Kansas State. This guy is already a folk hero of sorts at this point, and there's not necessarily a proven commodity returning. Uh, I'm not saying that they're going to fall fall into this out of the gate, but there is going to be a lot of pressure to play him in some capacity next year.
2: I'm going to go with 10 for Will Howard. Uh, I think he starts most of the season, and I just assume K-State will get him injured at some point for a game or two. So um and i think avery
1: i would would like the difference more and be like seven because i i think he'll start a uh, he'll be the starter i would guess but i think he's gonna be hurt so i think avery johnson will wind up playing some
2: or would it be jake rubley at that point um to step in i i don't i I don't know it's uh and i do you think DY?
3: it'll be be an interesting offseason do do you think (laughs) they would
2: go after a uh a one-year – a lot of it depends on how Will Howard finishes this year. If,
3: if Will Howard sticks and he's solid the rest of the season, I don't think that that the transfer portal is a alternative. I honestly don't know – Look, I don't think you tempt fate. You got the stud quarterback that you're bringing in from the high school ranks. I don't think you tempt fate and bring in a transfer and kind of mess with his mind at all. Well, you're right. <laughs> if, the, if you, that's, But that's also part of what the communication has already been between Klein and Avery on that front, and I don't know what it's been.
2: Well, you're right, though. If they brought in a one-year-type transfer quarterback like an Adrian again, you're basically telling Will Howard you have no, no faith in him either, right? So why would Will Howard stick around another year? Um, that would probably – Chase him off, at least if I were in his shoes. I'm not speaking for Will yeah. Howard.
3: Uh, to be honest, you could chase off Jake Ruby at that point too.
2: Yeah, so it's it's probably for the best. I just hope Will Howard finishes this year strong. Now, look, hopefully we don't we want Adrian back, right? So, um, but I would like to see more from Will Howard too. At the same time, like I, from a confidence perspective, heading into next season, if you could rest Adrian this weekend and see Will Howard back up his performance at TCU with another strong performance against Oklahoma, against Oklahoma State. I think you feel a lot better going into next year because the thing is, and this is diverting off topic a little bit. And I mentioned this in our group chat. Will Howard got exposed early in his career because he had to play before he was really ready because of the situation and the circumstances that he inherited when, when he came here in the COVID season, this is his third year in the program. A lot of quarterbacks by year three is when they really start to take off. Look, L Roberson, didn't wouldn't have looked good as a, uh, a red shirt freshman out there. We saw what he looked like in moments when he came into the game and then took off his junior year. Um, so that's just one example, but I, I think Will Howard can still be a very good football player uh, and there's talent there and he's a big kid. And so I'm eager to see him do more of what he did against TCU because maybe he turned a corner. Just, we just need to see more of it. And if we see more of that, I think you feel a lot better heading into next year.
1: And the potential to help start steering the offense more toward throwing the ball potentially, because you're not, you're not going to run him quite as much as you would Adrian, because he's just not as dynamic, but he seems very, very willing to uh, to push the ball down the field.
3: The only breaks I would pump on the Will Howard front is I think there was only a few times where he was forced to a second read and none of those passes were completed. I don't believe when I was watching. So that's, And like I said, it was a small sample size. TCU's the one staff that knows nothing about him. So what he will be able to do this week, assuming that he plays, will be more of an example of what to expect, I think, rather than last week.
1: Fair. Totally fair. Uh, How many carries this week in the box score for K-State quarterbacks? against oklahoma state so i'm going by just what you'd see in the box score how many carries are going to be next to k-state quarterbacks names when it's all said and done
3: only a handful still just because there's going to be scrambles oklahoma state can really get after and apply pressure and they're going to want to so some of it's just going to be a product of you know the pressure that oklahoma state applies so it's it'll it'll be around 10 i'm sure
2: well it depends if you're counting sacks too which would be labeled as a rush um John, are we going to count? Are we going to count sacks? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say probably close to 10 as well. Then Uh, between sacks, scrambles, QB design runs, I would say maybe 11, 12. Now what I will say is I think probably only four or five actual QB design runs um, as part of that, hopefully, Um, because Will Howard is still banged up and they cannot they can ill afford to run him very much and take hits. Now I would say like that read option if they can get him on the edge where he can get to the perimeter, pick up eight nine yards and get out of bounds without taking a hit, those are the types of plays I'm in favor of running the football with him. Just they they can't be lining up and running him up the middle on any QB powers.
1: Yeah, I, I mean,
3: agree. I agree, but I just don't think he has the burst to get to a perimeter though. It's not his. That's game. the problem.
1: Like on the perimeter, he's just not. I mean, he's much more like the Colin Klein. Just needs to
2: like fall forward
3: Well, yeah. two.
2: He had two edge runs on Saturday where he picked up thirteen and fourteen yards where he got out of bounds on both plays. So
1: did I see. I remember him being on the edge a couple of times and being like, damn, I mean, like that's a play that Adrian Martinez is taking to the house. And like Will's kind of, you know. Yeah. But it's it's just not his game. You know, I mean, he's a bigger, more lumbering
2: dude that one of those. He he also damn near tripped and fell again. (laughs) Well, yeah. He look, he he needs more space like he's not going to be able to pull the ball and explode. He doesn't have the quick burst that Adrian has. Uh, So the defense has to really misread it for him to get on the edge and get. 10, 15 yards, Uh, but that happened twice against TCU where he was able to do that and get out of bounds and pick up a first down.
1: Yeah, I mean, point being, I think you guys are about right. I was going to say eight to nine uh, probably in the box score. How many field goals made by Chris Tennant in this game? Now that Chris Kleiman said they're – he said we're not opening a competition but then described opening a competition in practice this week. So, I mean, (laughs) more or less, they're opening it up to Ty Zentner and then Leighton Simmering. Shout out to Rosemount, Minnesota. Leighton Simmering. I learned that name. Uh, freshman that that will be involved there also. Uh, how many field goals made by Chris Tennant in this game?
3: Zero.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with the zero as well. Wow. First of all, I don't, I don't, I don't think K State tries to kick very many field goals. Like anything within fourth and two, fourth and three, I think they're going to probably try to go for and not rely on the kicker in this game and. I, just the fact that Chris Kleiman mentioned that they're opening up the competition makes me think that it uh, very likely that it's going to be another guy to get an opportunity. And if another guy gets that opportunity and makes the first kick, they're not going to they're not going to pull him. So,
3: yeah, it's one of those things where you can't say um, we're looking at other guys and then you try Chris out. Kristen, you're not going to say, hey, you're not good enough, but hey, you're 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 so um. That's, yeah that's my reasoning i just unless they they miss one and he goes back to Tenet. what what,
2: what do you know about uh Leighton simmering's recruiting profile D.Y.? what did you uh what kind of offers did he have
3: uh he was um, <laughs> he was not the rec- the the uh, recruiting profile that chris tenet had um, yeah so and i know that recruiting's weird and everything but for those that don't know or have forgotten chris tenet had a very Attractive recruiting profile. He was one of the best kickers in the entire country. Came out of Mill Valley High School, and he had he could have went to just about any Power Five program. I mean, he was that sought after.
2: Yeah, yeah, he was heavily recruited. Thought I was one of the best kickers in the country. Maybe K State just needs to get back to the Blake Lynches of the world that nobody thought of yeah. and uh, get out there and just make everything.
3: Oh, um, well, maybe maybe Chris Ten too big, so now we need smaller. Is that what you're saying, Blake Lynch? <laughs>
2: No, no. Look,
3: I think the really, nation's smallest kicker to the nation's biggest kicker. Chris Tennant's like 5'2 30".
2: Yeah, he is, he's huge. I, I do want to say that I, I still think Chris Tennant can have a very good career at Kansas State. Um, it's all mental right now is what it looks like. He's very talented, and hopefully they get to the offseason. They can work things out. Look, it's not first time that you've seen a K-State kicker as, as a sophomore or freshman struggle and then really become a great kicker. Joe Ream. Comes to mind. He he struggled brutally in those first couple of years, and then he became a very solid kicker for k State. So it's frustrating now, I know, but I, I still think Tenant will be good in the future. But probably right now, they need to make a change because I just think he, mentally, it, it's probably too much.
1: Thirty-eight yards, right hash, down to three seconds left. Who you feeling best about trotting out there, Tenant Zentner? Simmering.
2: I thought you were going to say Jared Bright and throw me back to Texas two thousand two. <sighs> Uh, <laughs> uh uh probably probably zentner just because he's a veteran guy. That'd be my answer. I'll just go zentner.
1: You know, I guess it seems like the best
2: alternative right now. I don't know. But I'll be throwing up uh, you know, out of nerves at that point if it comes down to that. So
3: we <laughs> I mean, haven't even seen either of those other two kick yet, so I can't even give you an answer.
2: Didn't hasn't zentner kicked at least like an extra point in his career here?
3: Not a, I don't think he has a kid. Maybe he has I don't know. But he was the kicker at Butler.
1: Okay, which situation would you rather have? Texas A&M, Michigan State, or Miami? Texas A&M three and four. They owe Jimbo ninety five million. Michigan State three and four. They owe Mel Tucker ninety five million. Mario Cristobal three and four. They owe him eighty million at Miami.
3: Mario um, Miami because I think it's his first year. He's he he's still going. He's won everywhere that he's been whether it be as an assistant head coach, he's going to win it my.
1: Well, yeah. I don't know. I feel like he's kind of a fraud. You see what Oregon's doing this year now that he gets out of town.
3: He was good at Oregon. He took them to multiple. He's the uh, one that I kind of, was okay. He's the, that, he's the one that kind of revived Oregon. They were in the freaking mud before he got there.
1: Yeah, he was all, he was okay. He was all right. He recruited well.
3: Well, I'm still taking him over Mel Tucker. Who's more of a fraud in my opinion. He's in year three now, I want to say. And they're they they're not going to make a bowl probably, and they're about to lose by forty to their arch rival. He's also making far more money than Mario Cristobal, and then you have Jimbo Fisher, who's probably somehow. Well, not, I
1: mean, it's it's fifteen million more. I, you know, I know,
3: that's a lot of money to me. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> but, I, uh, I got it
2: like that. Sorry, bro. I I uh, I'm not a Mario Cristobal fan. I'm not a I'm not a fan of either of those. Any of those guys. To,
3: I, to, be, and to be honest, you don't have to be a fan of Mario Cristobal to realize that's the clear answer in my opinion.
2: See, I actually think it's – I would re- – because there's not a big enough difference in the payouts, I would take Jimbo Fisher. I, I and want Jimbo, A&M man. They've got the recruiting class. Yeah, because he can recruit, and he's won a national title, and you know he's had success. Oh, now he has- <laughs> well, I know. like it, It's kind of a mess. I, I think we can all agree that Michigan State's in by far the worst situation with Mel Tucker. This, this is where the coaching contracts have become so egregious that they yeah. gave him $100 million for I mean, I, one I season. Good.
3: I can make an argument that A&M could be worse because I think Jimbo is completely shot as a coach. He has done nothing since Jameis Winston. Um, literally, I don't think he has. Uh, he's making less than Mel Tucker, so that's the argument there, But and he has a lot more talent, but the talent hasn't mattered to him since he had Jameis Winston a quarterback. Uh, just, and for, we, we could also say, hey, he might get a quarterback, how long has it been since he had one? I don't know if he might get one or not.
2: Just throwing out that Orange Bowl 2020 COVID victory over North Carolina. Well, I, I will
1: also just say this about the Texas A&M situation. I don't know if you checked the price of gas lately. People have done a lot of complaining about that here fairly recently. Uh, that's generally, I think, going to be a good thing for Texas A&M grads. They, they got a lot of guys involved in that with some money. I,
3: mean, you know, I don't know. I just got back from Texas. The gas is cheaper in Texas than it is Kansas. <laughs> all right,
1: well, but point being, I think they would be in a better position to buy their dude out, <laughs> uh, if if and when it gets to that point.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, though. I, that but I guess that's why I thought AM was worse because I think Jimbo's going to be the one that's removed before all this. But if you use that as a advantage, I would agree that maybe that it is A&M. Uh
1: Who wins the SEC? For just real quick, who wins the SEC first? Texas or A&M? A&M hasn't won it since 1998. Uh, Texas last won the Big Twelve in 2009.
2: Texas. Yeah, I'm going to go with Texas.
1: I would say Texas, too. Yeah, I would, even though I don't think any of them are going to do it anytime soon. Lead pipe lock of the week time. I am now uh, alone and last three and four. Cole and DY are four and three, although Cole did miss with a big swing and a miss on the Cats last week, so you can thank him for the jinx, everybody there on that one. Um, this week, you guys, I'm putting my faith in none other than the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Nebraska, seven-and-a-half-point dogs, home dog of the week, baby, against Illinois, very plotting team, not someone that's going to be, you know, lighting up the scoreboard a ton. I realize they are off to a nice start, but Nebraska plays a lot of close competitive games. Frost is gone now, so they actually have a chance to win some of those. But I guess I'm looking at this, like I I can see Nebraska winning the game. So if I'm catching uh, over a touchdown at home against Illinois, that – Yes, nice start to the season, but feels a little bit fraudy to me in the Big Ten West. I will, uh, I will take the Oscars there, lock of the week.
3: My lock is UCLA. Okay, I got the Bruins. I got the helmet here. You Bruins, they are, I want to say 15 and a half, sorry, here, 16 and a half point favorites over Stanford. I think Stanford all of a sudden is getting a little too much respect just because, they're beating really fraudulent teams in the Pac-12 like Arizona State, uh, 15 to 14 last week. UCLA, this is a bounce-back game for them after being uh, rocked, basically, last week by Oregon. But also, that that's my official pick, but I also like BYU this week, BYU minus three against uh East Carolina. Carolina. It's a, it's a bounce Oof. back for BYU.
1: Oof. I almost went the opposite way, man. That BYU yeah. season's in free fall. They've lost three straight. Their defense is terrible. They gave up forty to uh Hugh Freeze last week in Liberty.
2: Like I BYU feels to me like the bottom's about to fall out on that thing. Yeah, that's a bad, that's not a good football team. I don't know. Hayden Hayden Oilers, the East Carolina quarterback, lefty. I don't know. That's risky. East,
3: East Carolina it's it's time to sell sell high on East Carolina.
2: I went back and forth on two games. I really like Washington State tomorrow night against Utah at plus seven, plus seven and a half. But I'm not going with that. In fact, I didn't even prepare for lock of the week. I'm just going to tell you guys, our listeners, that I did no research. I didn't even know what the line was on this game that I'm taking because I was going Mountaineers, whatever. West Virginia, plus seven. Take me home country road, baby. The touch You're going to cut. Yeah. Yeah. It's plus seven and a half. Give me a seven and a half. That's what I see right now. Um, so I'm taking the seven and a half by West Virginia, but guys, take the money line. Bet the money line, because because TCU is coming out of there with an L. It they don't have that stupid game? ass.
3: That, West Virginia only plays on Thursdays.
2: That's a that's a Saturday 11 a.m. kick. Noon uh, see, in I don't know.
3: West you Virginia know. not used to playing on Saturdays.
2: Well, TCU's not playing, used to playing without their stupid ass Hypnotoad or whatever the hell they're talking about. <laughs> I saw Sonny Dykes on ESPN talking about a dumbest thing I've ever seen. So, um, I like, I, I like the hypnotoad but yeah. yeah. Well, you weren't in Fort Worth to listen to those dumb. Anyways, um. uh, <laughs> so, uh, I'm taking uh, West Virginia to cover, I'm taking West Virginia to win. Uh, so yeah. OK, I should have figured I should have figured that that was going to be the the cold lock
1: of the week. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, your prediction last week. We were all on the cats week before that. D.Y. was on Iowa State. He was wrong. So we've been we've been pretty bad in this category here lately. I'm going to um, make somebody else go first.
3: I got The Oklahoma game wrong, too. i got the Tulane game wrong. Like yeah. I've been wrong the majority.
1: How about, how about you go first then? We'll let we'll let you get the wrong pick out of the way.
3: I haven't even made my pick in my head yet, so this is really off the I sent
1: you guys the outline last night, all right? There are no excuses this well, time. I, oh, I know.
3: I, we make a prediction every week. I just haven't really sat down and really contemplated which way I want to go. I'm really torn. Look, it. the interesting thing is Kansas State's in the identical situation that Oklahoma State was in last week. Your quarterback status is in doubt. You're a banged-up football team. You just gave up a double-digit lead to TCU on the road. And it's going to be homecoming at 2 30 p.m. kick. That's the exact same thing that Texas had when they upset, or Oklahoma State had when they upset Texas. I just I have a hard time picking the cats. So I'll take Oklahoma State 27 24. I think Ugh. the loss of Daniel Green is going to be a little rough.
1: Kill me. That was my exact score. Yeah. at Oklahoma State 27, K State 24.
2: Wow. I, I thought DUI would pick K State. Well, for all of our listeners, I'll be the positive one. As always, the shining light on Kansas State. I'm going to take the Wildcats uh, by a score of, uh, you know, hell. I'll just flip it around. I'm going to go K-State 28, Oklahoma State 24. All right? I really do, Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I, I can't put a field goal in there right now. <laughs> okay, I have no yeah, faith in hell in putting a field goal. So that factors yeah. into my score outcome. Uh, heck, I wouldn't even be opposed if K-State just went for two every time, too. No, I'm Not that I'm worried about missing extra points, but, you know, Hey, if you have some some good two point play calls, so that that's part of why they lost Oklahoma State. They're in terrible in third and short. You, you want them running? <laughs> you're, right. The you're, you're right. Two yard line. You're right. I yeah, that's, that's a, a bad terrible game. coach. God. Yeah, that's a that's a bad idea. That, they disregard that part, but I still think K State wins. So one thing we we didn't mention in the offense defense breakdown, guys, and this is KSU underscore fan again. I saw this graphic that he tweeted out. Uh, You know, we always think special teams, K-State, Oklahoma State is number six in the country overall in special teams, according to the advanced metrics. Um, They housed a kick return against Baylor this year. They had another big kick return in that game. They have muffed a couple punts, but uh, Tanner Brown, their kicker, 14 of 15 on the year, five of six from 40 and 50 yards plus. Uh, So they have a really, they lead, they're the best special teams unit overall right now in the Big 12. But K-State has to get a special teams play, guys. They, they have had no meaningful returns or anything, and that's something that K-State has relied on historically, and they have to find a way to make a big play in the return game in this contest. I, I think that's going to be a swing point for K-State to win. Uh, so they're going to have to find a way to match or outdo Oklahoma State in special teams.
3: So your number one factor is special teams, and Oklahoma State has the far better special teams, but you're picking K-State.
2: I just think they're due I mean i I really do I just think I think k state is due to bust one in the return game so all right so you're
1: you're hoping for like a 2015 uh, West Virginia kind of a deal here you know smoking mirrors get a special team's touchdown get out of there with like a one point win call it good yeah,
3: that's kind of kind of how the was the formula that would have worked if not for the late will howard fumble in 2020
1: yeah yeah okay. Well, there you have it. A little more positive today, people. We did a decent job of that. A little more positive. Uh, nobody's picking a blowout loss this weekend. It should be a great environment. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Be in Manhattan most of the weekend. Got a little, uh, little fraternity deal going on on Friday for homecoming. So you know, visit the old Delta Sig House.
2: John, could you? Uh, I'm going to be in Manhattan on Friday too with my kids. So could you take my three kids to the homecoming parade and like just help watch them? Absolutely not. Well, Brody, Brody wants to see you.
3: Don't bring your kids.
2: Well, you know, they the girls don't really have to get out and do much. So <laughs> we haven't. They were COVID babies, and uh, I feel bad about that. So they're gonna lose their minds. We're well, still. Are you and are you and Brody still sitting with me and Nelly? Uh, we got to figure that out. I'll, I'll text you. Um, wow. That would mean I. That would mean wow. I. Wow. That would mean I leave Vanessa. Uh, so. I'm, I'm not that I'm unwilling to do that. I mean, I actually shout prefer. out to my,
1: shout out to my guy, Don, who hooked me up with the tickets. They are incredible tickets. Well, chairbacks. backs. When I say like section five.
2: Yeah. You're in great. You're in great seats, man. I, uh, I just hope for the people around you, you're in a positive spirits and not, not being <laughs> negative.
3: Well, I'm so. sure N- Nellie will me be and Nellie. <laughs> are- oh my
2: God. You guys are going to just <laughs> be the biggest downers. So, We'll be great, you know. <laughs> we'll be
1: great. Hey, at uh, least maybe the group chat will be a little less uh, negative because then we'll just be talking to our, ourselves, you know. You we'll know. just be able to say it in person. Uh, Cole, come on, man. I want to come over. I'll come over. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to Vanessa about it. Okay. So. All right. Everybody put public pressure on Cole, please. Uh, oh, work.
2: yeah. I mean, public pressure to go sit in the near the 50-yard line. I mean, what a, a terrible thing to have to do uh i'm i'm perfectly willing to abandon my section 11 seats for that okay all right d D y you're more than welcome to join too you know i mean if you want to hop down that's cool too good enough for you he could cover it from down there yeah
1: you know we can get you some 360 vodka some ben holiday bottled and bond bourbon sneak it in i'll get a flask okay Um, well
2: now security knows to wave flag (laughs) us so great <laughs> well secure i was told that tcu security doesn't matter and they don't do anything so <laughs> tcu uh, just we were getting ready to take our stuff out tcu just was like oh come in i don't care what you have so and uh, iowa state wasn't checking people
1: uh, at Yeah, all Iowa numbers. State's
3: the only place in the big 12 that still never checked my bag when i've entered the stadium yeah, <laughs> so i did so i you know,
2: know, uh, got a, the wild wild west out here i did get padded down very good going into texas republic down on west 7th on friday very, night, so. very yeah, good yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah i got very thoroughly padded down there so. Lasting memories.
3: Lasting yeah. memories. Vanessa right. will love this end of the podcast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Everybody enjoy the game. Should be a lot of people there. It'll be fun. Uh, let's get a dub. We'll talk to you uh, hopefully in a more positive mood early next week. Take care.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently